See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. Hello, all you out there in podcast listener land. Um, I think from now on I'm going to start calling you like a... I have to think of a catchy name for all the people that listen to Slow Robot A Go-Go. Like we could say the Slow Robot Nation or, you know, the Robot Compound something. I have to think of something. If you have any good ideas for what you think the Slow Robot Agogo listening audience should be called, please feel free to email at zenbone at hotmail.com. Until we figure something out officially, I will just go as per usual and say, welcome, hello all you out there in podcast listener land, my name is Mao, and I'm coming to you from the land of K-pop and snow on the ground. Not a lot of snow, it just uh, flurried and and uh, snowed a little bit. And I was like, wow, what is this crap? I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I know what it is. But I've lived in Florida for since 1993, so let's just say me and Snow ain't been real close for a long time. So yay for that. Okay, this is big show number 2-0. Show 20. And I was going to do another uh, Corman classic. Uh, I forget the name of it even. It was basically the exact same as 19. Like, I think for a while, Corman was just saying, well, if Star Wars stuck, I'm going to just keep cranking out space movies until, yeah, that thing. The one I'm going to do next is a, basically, it's a, uh, a ripoff of Seven Samurai in space on a low budget made by Corman. But let's not talk about that. Um, I saved you from, doing t- from listening to two Corman movie reviews in a row. Now, I'm going to do, for show number 20... Slow Robot A Go-Go is bringing you the one, the only, 4D Man from 1959. So it was directed by uh, Erwin S. Yeworth Jr. And let's see, who is in this thing? Okay, the we are first introduced... Well, no, we're not first introduced. Um, you know what, I'm going to start by dropping in the intro. And right after the credits, um, the, this they show... Uh, brother Tony um, working in a lab by himself and he obviously fails and burns the place down. But before that I will say this is one of the coolest credit sequences I've seen. Not the coolest but one of the coolest. Um, Basically it's an all black background and and an arrow flashes just for a second and then the like the uh, credit name comes up. So it's black, you know, you see this flash of, a, of an arrow, and and it's, it's literally like maybe, you know, a second to maybe like a second and a half that the arrow's there, and it's showing you where the credits are going to come up. It's a very cool concept, and it really, it worked really well, so I totally dug that. Um, if I ever make a movie, I'm going to steal that. Or, or I'm sorry, I'm going to pay an homage to that. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to drop in the intro where we first meet Brother Tony and his wacky failure.
idea, the equipment, the place to work in secret. All the ingredients are here. He attacks the job of trying to pass a wooden dowel through a steel block with the confidence of a man who knows it can be done. Maybe it will work tonight. It has failed many times before, but driven by an obsession that it can be done, he is unconcerned with failures of the past or dangers of the future. His only interest is to prove his theory. Basically, um, the premise is introduced that this guy, Tony, is is trying to break the fourth dimension. He's trying to push a pencil through a piece of steel. And he has like this force field generating thing that kind of looks like one of those uh, 80s desk lamps the with like two posts. Who cares? So anyway, it doesn't fail, and he burns the place down, and then he gets fired. So he hitchhikes to um, where his brother works. And at this point, you know, he gets out, and he's standing outside the fence, and a old security guard, you know, uh, comes wandering over, and the security guard is played by uh, Guy Raymond. Now, this, at first I was like, this guy is terrible, um, the, the, the security guard. And he did play, like, I don't know if he was drunk, or if he just didn't care, doesn't matter. I found him distractingly horrible, and but whatever, he's just a security guard, it's a bit part, and when I did look him up, he did a lot of things, I mean, so, you know, maybe he just didn't feel like, he maybe he was just cashing a check on this one. So basically, Dr. Tony Nelson, the the brother, is played by, played by James Cogden. Now, when we get to this place, when we get to the, to the secret lab that the brother works at, um... We are. We see Lee Merriweather. You know, we all know Lee Merriweather as Catwoman, and oh my God. So yeah, yay for that. That made the movie better. So basically, and and so Tony goes to meet his brother Scott, Scott Nelson. Doctor Scott Nelson is is uh, played by Robert Lansing. So we have Scott and and Linda. 
you know, they're working at this place. And we also were introduced to a kind of a snakish kind of a guy, um, Roy Parker. Uh, so basically, um, you know, we find out that Scott is uh, is going to ask Linda to marry him, and Tony is there. You know, they and you can tell right off the bat that the, that the um, Lee Mer- Lee Merriweather or you know Linda is actually kind of more interested in Tony. So oh 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 I forgot there's a there's a scene right after Tony arrives where this Roy guy is like really sexually harassing Lee Merriweather. And basically, um, I recorded it because it is some straight-up 50s-style sexual harassment. So um, here's here's a little bit from our friend um, Roy, and I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back to move this plot along a little bit quicker. Oh, Linda, Scott's waiting for us. He wants to get this one off the ground. I'll be right there. Uh, yes, Fred, I understand, but everyone's tied up in the lab at the moment. Have him wait at the reception desk. Thanks. That's right, and as this Roy fellow is doing this, um, he's he's like cutting it off so Linda can't get to the door, you know, and it's really kind of tragic. So okay, basically, then um, you know they they do this experiment and it fails. They're they're trying to you know the, the Scott, Linda, and Roy are working for uh, an evil overlord named Carson. He's Basically like a Mr. Burns type of guy, you know, not quite as evil as Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, but whatever, that's what I'm going to just say. So Scott and Linda and Roy are working on a project called Carganite, which is the the bee's knees, as they say, back in 1959, and it's supposed to be like this impenetrable um, metal, you know, named, named after Mr. Carson, of course which is a bone of contention for Scott because Scott never gets any credit for all this stuff that he's making for his evil overlord boss. Moving on. So, okay, this fails. And then they say, you know, then basically Linda and Scott, you know, meet Tony. Tony comes in and um, and they're like, oh, you know, it's nice to see, it's nice to meet you. You know, that's what she says. And then, uh, then they, they start harassing Tony to work for... Um, to work for Mr. Carson. You know, basically, they're saying, like, why don't you come to work with Scott and Linda? And she says, and then Linda's like, well, we'll talk over it over dinner, because I'm going to dinner with you three, where, you know, with the two brothers. So it's the two brothers and and um, Tony, and, and Linda. This scene, when they, when they go to the restaurant, is the first time where you kind of really... Wow, this Tony guy is really rough to watch. He like he really chews the scenery. He is so cornball and he's always like so kind of cornball. Now this guy has been an actor. I mean, he's an actor in a lot of movies. I think he had like 85 titles. I don't know, man. Like this movie flip-flops between it can't decide if it wants to be like a serious movie or if it wants to be like a wacky cornball 
Like, it's very uneven. And this is the first time where you go, what the hell's happening here? And as the brother's really totally being a cornball, the, the, the main person, Scott, you know, Scott is like, we start to see that he's never not smoking. Scott smokes so much in this movie, I think I got lung cancer from watching it. So, you know, it was like, wow, okay. So at this point, Scott's sitting there smoking, and then Tony, uh, Linda asks Tony to dance, and then they start dancing, and it's, she's, you can tell she's smitten with him. In the next scene, they they go out like on a 50s-style picnic with, um, with uh, culottes and, yes, and 50s, and it's, and they're basically like, the two, the, Linda and Tony are being playful, and Scott's deeply philosophizing as he smokes cigarettes in on, in the grassy knoll. Um, and this is another one where it it takes that like like wacky playful crap, and it's totally just like deep hurting. I mean, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is dreadful. So of course Scott notices this, and, and at the first scene. Scott told his brother Tony that he was going to to you know ask Linda to marry him. So so Tony knows that you know that he, that Scott loves Linda and blah blah blah. So Scott starts noticing that Tony and Linda are hitting it off, and then he gets kind of pissed off and he like leaves. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go smoke, and you Tony, you walk her home. And then um, then of course they're being more playful, and then they get caught in a like a abandoned building during a rainstorm and they kiss and here we go so you know so basically you know they're they're like oh they're you know she's falling in love with him and blah 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 um so then they they kind of go back to focusing on the super carbonite thing you know they're back into the lab and um and and they keep like, Linda keeps harassing Tony to stay. Like, oh, you should stay. Oh, Scott really needs you for the project. Blah, blah, blah. So, then, basically, um, Tony is, keeps waffling, saying, I'm getting on a plane. I'm getting on a train. I'm leaving. I don't know. He had a hitchhike here, so I don't know where he found money all of a sudden to get a train, but whatever. So, so then, um, you know, basically, you know, he says okay, and he joins the lab. And at this point, he shows... Um, Scott and Linda that the the one time his pro, his like secret thing worked and he went through the fourth dimension and he pushed a pencil through a piece of steel. So he's been clinging onto that and then he you know then he um so basically he's he he agrees to join and secretly he starts working on this project again at that lab. Well, at this point the evil um snake of a man Roy um kind of he he does an end around and he's trying to like convince the old evil overlord Carson um like he wants his own lab and he's trying to become like the boss and everything like that so he steals the notes from Tony's thing from Tony's 4D thing that's worked once in its life and um so then the boss says okay you know this is really intriguing and you can have your own lab so Okay, so then whatever. So at this, and then we're also notice like this is where like the the film kind of takes a couple different like it kind of branches out into a couple different things at this point. Um, Scott starts having p- bad headaches 
because he's been exposed to this um they show him a couple times going down to some reactor kind of looking thing when they're trying to make this carbonite and like kind of reaching in as he has a cigarette in his mouth and everything you know so he starts he goes to the doctor because he has really bad pain uh, really bad headaches and he thinks he has radiation poisoning so um and at this point the doctor says no it's not it's not that it's now that your your brain has now been supercharged it's putting out a lot more uh electrical impulses so basically whatever he's doing is is making his brain work in overdrive so yay for that and then he comes back from the doctor and Scott proposes um and he gets shot down so he gets pretty pissed off and then he goes and he breaks into his brother's lab um and again th this is another one this is where i think the security guard really shines as being just horrible um this there's a point where the, where the security guard's talking to to Scott outside of the lab and it's just like painful to to watch you know but whatever so Scott goes in and he he takes a fire axe and he chops open his brother's lo uh, locker and then he gets he starts fooling around with this thing the the 4D desk lamp thing and he slips and he puts his hand and the and the pencil through this piece of steel and yay 4D man is born um but then he's like trapped there he's trapped in it and then finally he learns how to, he learns he can he pulls his hand back out like there's a part where he's hiding from another security guard and he has his hand through this block of wood what or block of steel who cares so basically now he 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 brings his brother in saying look I've done it and he he puts his he puts it through there and his brother's like oh wait you know this this equipment is even on you're doing it by yourself and okay and it takes Scott all of about three seconds to turn evil. He gets out of the car. He says, don't tell anyone. And he says, I'm going to walk around and think about this. The very next thing he does, you know, he he does some felony where he, like, takes a letter out of the mailbox. And then he steals an apple through a piece of glass. And then he steals money from a bank. You know, it, I mean, like, literally he turns evil in, like, ten seconds. So what what he finds out is that every time he goes through the wall, through every time he slips into the fourth dimension, which you know when he's doing it because there's this uh, the soundtrack kind of goes weird, like there's like this weird 60s kind of wah wah sound in the background, and then you're like, oh, he's going 4D, so yay for that. So now you know, so now he's evil, and and he's kind of um, we have Scott sneaking around, you know, stealing things, and 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 it ages him horribly every time he does it. So what happens then is, is he goes to the doctor, and he finds out, or like when he touches the doctor, he he absorbs his energy, like and kills him. He he turns he ages the doctor horribly, and he rejuvenates himself young again. So now we have the 4D man running around stealing things, and killing people, and slowly going crazy. Um. At one point, he says he. Oh, then the next thing he goes and he kills um, the evil overlord Carson, and what he does is he basically says, "Oh, you know, I, I'm." Um, he he even says by his own air quote, by his own admission, his girlfriend is a tramp, and he's been worked to almost blindness and blah blah blah. He goes kind of goes crazy, then he kills Carson by taking his power, and then the brother Tony 
takes Linda and they go to the cops and they're like, oh, you know, uh, it's my brother who's doing this and he, he takes back the money and he's like, okay, well, how can we stop him? So the cops surround this surround this building where, where that, that Scott's in and, and of course that fails, you know, and he, he 4Ds himself out of there and then they have this plan that Tony is going to use um, his little desk lamp magic thing and he's going to become a 4D man and then he'll be able to stop his brother in 4D world I don't know the the plot kind of gets a little fuzzy at this point so Roy the the snake Roy goes out and he tells the reporters um of the plan you know he wants to be like the big man so he goes out and tells it so he can get his name in the paper and that's where then brother Scott is tipped off about this whole thing so basically Scott goes back to the lab and there's the big uh, showdown. Oh, the brother never does become a 40 man. Um, Tony just keeps being a bad imitation of Jim Carrey mixed with, I don't know, a mud pie. Who cares? Doesn't matter. So, you know, in, so basically, in the very end, you know, uh, Scott goes to kiss Linda. He kisses her and she gu- she she shoots him in the gut. She, you know, she actually got got shot, crazy, and that's where he goes off onto this tangent about, oh, you know, you can't kill me, I'm the 4D man, blah blah blah, and as he's stumbling around dying, he falls into the wall, and then he 4Ds into the wall, and then it says the end, and of course, in total 50s fashion, question mark translation, there could be a four, there could be a 4D man too, this time even more 4D er, but it never happened. So I'm looking to you to pick up the ball, uh, Hollywood, and let's have a 4D Man Part 2. Okay, so that was the plot summary. So on to the uh, better stuff. Basically, I was a little reluctant to watch this one because I thought it was one of those English-made ones. I think I was having it, I was confusing it with The Projected Man, um, which was an English movie. And it's not that I don't like England or whatever. Um, I just don't like the, like I don't enjoy them as much as the cheesy Hollywood ones, uh, B movies. I don't know why. It's just the way it is. I mean, you know, they're, they're, like I've seen the Projected Man a couple times, and and I thought this one was another one of those from England, but it turns out it was actually shot in in uh, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. So yay for that. Um, it was a funny movie. It was like a I thought it was a good movie. Um, there was, like I said, there was a couple times that it kind of almost broke me with the, with the brother being a doof and with the security guard. Now, I know that might sound like so kind of cheesy or, or so catty of me, but this was like, it was like Palance level of chewing the scenery and on one or two of those from, by, from the brother Tony and the security guard. I don't know. He looked like Don Knotts, but he wasn't as funny as Don Knotts, if that makes any sense. Um... There was also... Patty Duke was also in this. Uh, I forgot to mention that. Um, you know, it, it, it was a good movie all around. I thought it was... It was... Uh, it was entertaining. I would n- I'd never say to, to buy this one. Um, this is another one where you'd have to say, look, just uh, just rent it. The budget was around $240,000 um, in 1959. Oh, and I, I also didn't realize that when they... Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that... Uh, Lee Merriweather was 
Miss 1955. That's that's uh, that's something else. She was uh, Miss America 1955. She was uh, insanely pretty. I always remembered kind of lusting after her from the Batman series, but I thought it was just me being strange. Um, but it wasn't. Apparently, everyone was lusting after her. Uh, you know, yay for that. So, and this was her movie debut, if you can believe that. Overall, fun, funny movie. Uh, you probably won't have as many issues with watching the goofiness as I did. I don't know why it bothered me on this one. Like, I usually actually like like the bad acting and the and the, the goofiness of movies, but this one kind of was really um, it really it, it was almost distracting, like parts of it. But good story, very funny, very um, you know some parts were serious, some parts were funny. The aging effects that they did were were pretty were pretty good. I actually liked the aging, although you could tell it was fake. They did it really well, you know, because uh, he 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 think he killed about one two three. I think there was like four or five people killed. Let's see, there was he killed the, he killed a cop. He killed Roy. He killed the evil Doctor Carson, and he killed the and he killed the um, the doctor first. So okay, I think there was only four people. Um, and they showed, you know, oh, 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 and a hooker. This guy said so there, so there was five people. He killed five people. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. It was really funny uh, And at some parts. I'm going to try to um, move to a different program. I'm, I've been fooling around with um, Sound Booth from Creative Suite 4. It's a very powerful, very good uh, program. I just I I'm just in the practicing phases. I was gonna I was gonna try to record this show show number twenty on with that program, but I chickened out because usually whenever you do something with a new program, it ends horribly. Um, <laughs> so I was gonna and I was like I'm gonna do it this time, and then I chickened out. Anyway, so thanks for listening. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please email me at z e n b o n e at hotmail dot com. I would encourage everyone to please uh, check out my travel blog at kimchiagogo.wordpress.com. That's all filled with my trials and tribulations here in Korea. And as always, um, please make sure you check out um, the Bunch of Dorks pro, uh, project that has been going on for some time. I just did a uh, solo show for show number 211 uh, on that on that website, so please go check out um, bunchofdorks.com or link them on iTunes. I am still plugging away, hoping that Slow Robot Agogo will get linked to iTunes and a few of the others in the near future. If not, it will be when I return to sunny Florida in March, and by that time I might be dead from freezing unless I get back home. Okay. Uh, if you have any, also if you want to have, if you have any of your favorite B movies that you would like me to review, please send me the emails, and I'll see if I can get them. All right, thanks for listening, and here is the outro. Enjoy. Tried to kill. Sorry, I tried to kill. Didn't want to. Oh. Well, I'll do it again. Can't 
Do you want to be remembered as a creator or a killer? Steel! Nothing can hurt me! Hurt me, see if you can! Nothing! 